everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website, and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions, and joining me through the magic of the internet is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm tired. <laughs> I feel like I've just reached the part of, I don't know if it's like... It's actually been really beautifully nice outside for the past like week or so here. And it's been really throwing me off because it feels like fall, but I know it's not fall. And I have, I don't really like fall that much except for Halloween, which is the greatest holiday. So I'm just having a lot of like, are you kidding? Fall is my favorite month. Fall, in the is, South. fall is horrible, <laughs> um, but Halloween is great. So I take, I deal with fall to get Halloween. Okay. Well, takes all kinds. Um, ah! What are we talking about today? <laughs> Um, well, we are a little bit late talking about this, but we moved this episode to talk about uh, to talk about Doctor Who. But I hope that that means more people will have had time to watch the show, which I, I truly think is a delight. Um, and that is the three-part Amazon limited series, The Pursuit of Love. Yeah, this is um, for those who uh, may or may not have been keeping track of their British celebrities. The show in which Lily James met Dominic West, and uh, oh my gosh, I'm actually so angry that this that this show got overshadowed by that gossip about the two of them. Which is a spoiler alert. She play he plays her dad in this, which just makes everything have like an extra layer of ick. <laughs> but I'm really like mad that the half the stuff I saw people talking about this is like, oh, this is the show where Lily James and Dominic West had that had that thing. And I'm like, this show is good and it deserves to be seen and not be that show where Lily James and Dominic West had a thing. Um, I, I, I think it's also, I mean, this is one of those things where like, um, you know, a, as someone who writes about celebrities, uh, this is sort of the Benefer effect where people, I assume, probably tuned in expecting it expecting West to be one of James's love affairs and he's it's her not dad. and it's, like it's yeah. her dad dude yeah as as Bill and Ted would say <laughs> so yeah I, mean, I the think age, the age gap between them is not small yeah I I have to say like this is one of those things where I um I, I'm sorry that it, it it overshadowed but I also hope that it sort of got people to tune in and I hope they weren't disappointed um I don't think I loved this show nearly as much as you but it, it is very cute I think part of how you feel about the pursuit of love is how is going to depend on how you feel about a certain kind of trend that's happening right now in period dramas which is where we sort of try to do like a period drama that has a very contemporary feel that has a very kind of modern sensibility to it. I think that stuff is so interesting and leads to really creative choices and just stuff that like it helps the genre push forward. But if you did not like the most recent version of Emma, if you did not like the favorite, you will not like this. Yeah. And and it's because it it does the thing where it's got a very modern soundtrack. It's got a very modern sensibility. It's very like there's voiceovers and quick cuts and all kinds of very sort of modern filmmaking tricks and whatnot. If you just want like Down Abbey, you're not going to like this. Yeah. Um. Okay, so let's actually discuss, like, the plot of Pursuit of Love before we get any further. This is a novel that was written by Nancy Mitford back in, like, 1940-something. like 45, I think, I saw. Yeah, it's, like, it, it's post-war, but it's, like, just post-war. Um, it made me extremely curious because I read the book. We talked about 
uh, I know we talked about Cole Comfort Farm mm-hmm. at some point. Maybe I don't remember why, but I've talked on the show before about how much I love that show, uh, that movie and the book upon which it is based. And I feel like Nancy Mitford's books must be of a very similar vein to Cole Comfort Farm. And I feel like I would like them. So I did some Googling. I may try them out. Yeah. Um, basically, it's actually the first of a trilogy. There's like two more. Um, one is called Love in a Cold Climate. And the other one is Don't Tell Alfred. Um, and like... I think she also referenced these characters in other books, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I know this one because, like, my mother owned the trilogy and I tried reading it when I was, like, a teenager. Um, the thing... Okay, so basically, this is the story of F- Fanny. She's uh, she's basically the, this, this kind of sensible girl who's been educated... Um, but not because her parents actually care about her. Her mother is, in fact, known as the Bolter and runs away with man after man after man, abandoning her to, you know, nannies and and family members who sort of look after her. I'm sorry. I love the whole conceit of the Bolter. Like, it's just so good. Uh, Fanny is bffs with this girl linda who is her cousin and she goes and stays at linda's house basically every summer um and linda's dad who is played by west uh is basically like her uncle and the uncle doesn't like her because fanny is an educated woman and he thinks educated women are terrible um linda is not an educated woman and neither are any of her sisters um they're sort of this they're they're, they're sort of upper class like bright young thing that you saw in the interwar period um the oldest sister gets married like at the very beginning of the book and like linda is super jealous because she wants to be married and have everyone stare at her in a white dress and she wants to be in love she, she wants more than anything in the world to be in love is kind of her thing and fanny is you know fanny is actually the one who is in love with linda though it's it's more of a emotional thing than it is like a sexual thing like it's very much of that sort of vein of like your best friend who sort of abandons you over and over again in your life but you love them anyway um and uh, Linda basically runs off with like three different men over the course of the book. Um, the first one is uh, this this terribly like uh, th- this terribly snotty guy named Tony. Um, she eventually leaves him for a pretentious communist named Christian. And then when she realizes what a completely miserable mistake she's made there, she leaves and she winds up meeting this guy, Fabrice, um, who's a French dude, and like actually sort of finds her soulmate in him. And the two of them, it, it basically like the, these are the three relationships that she sort of disappears into. And each time they kind of end, she goes back to Fanny is sort of how the the that's how I remember it in the book, and that's sort of how the the show is structured in that sort of way too. Um, the thing, the thing is, and you know, I actually like the sort of like let's do sort of surrealist contemporary stuff in period pieces. I find that a lot of fun. I, I think that this show is a lot of fun because I like that stuff. I don't really like this genre of book. I dislike the whole like flirty the the, the idea of the the sort of flirty girl who isn't very smart who makes like you know emotional choices and sort of flits around and we're supposed to love her while the you the, have the such sort of, a harsher read of Linda than I do. I, I've never liked this kind of story. Like when I was a teenager, I I didn't like these books, um, and I don't I didn't finish the trilogy because I I. Found found Linda to be very annoying. I found the idea that Fanny was somehow lesser 
to be like I, I didn't I I it, it's sort I of a, I would actually I would actually dispute the idea that the show presents Fanny as being lesser well no the show actually doesn't and that's part of one of the reasons why I, I like the show better than I expected to because I had really like negative memories of this book and sort of feeling like I was supposed to I was supposed to sort of romanticize Linda and I didn't want to and I really wanted Fanny to get sort of grow a backbone um, <laughs> was kind of my response to the book um, and to, to, to stand up for herself more and to be like no Linda stop being an idiot um, and and I I, I I, 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 so I never really liked this kind of book. And so I was really sort of like tentative about how I was going to like this show. I think this show actually solves some of the book's problems in that it makes Fanny, it makes Fanny much more sympathetic. It makes Fanny much more of a rounded person and not sort of a doormat. Um, but at the same time, like this sort of genre of story has always really annoyed me. So this, it was, this, this was not always, this was never going to be my favorite thing I watched this year. Um, I really like that, uh, that uh, this is a story and maybe this just speaks to me because so many other period dramas that look like this are ultimately about like a woman catching a husband, mm. which, which Linda does like several times. And, uh, she really has a very, you know, I think it's a combination of she's young and she has a very sort of, you know, idealistic view of what romance and love and being in love means. But it's also because this is still a time period for all the fact that it's supposed to be so very modern is one in which a woman's value is still primarily determined by who she's able to marry. And if Linda doesn't get married, she doesn't get out of her father's draconian household and she doesn't get to ever see the world because not only does her father not believe in education for women he doesn't believe in foreigners travel or you know doing anything except hanging out at their sort of like old family pile and hunting children over the holidays um i also really liked that um in the books you sort of understand that lord merlin who is sort of the next door neighbor is kind of in love with linda and never says anything and she's sort of always like like she just doesn't realize that he's right there oh that's interesting because in the show lord merlin is 100 percent gay uh, and and I, I find it fascinating to, that the way the show handled that. Um, and and like one of my favorite parts of the whole thing was when his entrance, when he shows uh, up for her sister's like debut party and it's just like a 1915 version of Pose. Yes. It's just, it was so good. Right. There's so, there are so many things about this, about the way that they adapted this that I, I, I laughed and I, I liked. Um, but the overall story is just never going to be my favorite thing. That being said, oh, wait, I forgot what I was going to say before. Oh, I got distracted by talking about um, Linda's horrible father. But the fact that this show, I mean, the show does show us Linda getting, you know, getting married a couple of times and chasing husbands and stuff. But the point of the story isn't whether or not Linda gets married. The point of the story, the central love story of the story is Linda and Fanny. And I think that this is a really like nuanced presentation of female friendship over the course of like your whole life and and how it goes up and down and how it can be extremely cloying and extremely toxic and extremely great and none of that makes it good or bad it's just that's the whole of like a lifetime of friendship with the person that is your soulmate even if that person is not the person you marry yeah and i as i said i think the 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 show really sort of 
the, the places where the, the book sort of loses that, the show really managed to make it a lot better. Um, the book, the toxic parts are so much harder to get through, or at least they were when I was, you know, 17. Um, and I think that that part of the taking of the period piece and making it sort of this surrealist, sur- th- inserting surrealist nonsense at, you know, every point actually sort of helps that. Um, so you never quite feel as as terrible as it as it can if that makes sense it sort of keeps it all very lighthearted, and so you stay mm-hmm. on like an even keel the whole way and I, I like that i mean it is very fluffy even like oh, yes. the show goes at the show goes into like world war ii like linda's posh apartment gets like bombed in the blitz but it's it, it's played for sort of lighthearted and laughs because she just falls to the ceiling on her bed with her pure dog and it's funny and cute yeah even though like they're being bombed in the blitz and that's actually i i, I that the the being bombed in london blitz is actually part of the book um like most of the other thing is that he does stay fairly true to the book as i remembered it um i i'm i remember the i I remember the bit where like i remember the thing about the the communist and how like how ridiculous they sort of portray communism and people who are very into communism and i thought that the the show actually captured that really well um like the especially because like that's sort of a trope that's no longer like as i don't know it's not as nowadays we want to make that more nuanced and here they didn't they were like nope it's as ridiculous as it always is i mean yeah here they're pretty terrible communists actually (laughs) i mean not to be political but this sounds like how some people just refer to any sort of like left-wing policy they dislike as marxist because because like like have no idea what that actually means i feel like the show has no idea what being a communist is about like they run a bookstore and it's kind of cute It's really weird. I also, um, I have to say, I also really like the fact that, um, you know, the way that they handle uh, Fanny's actual husband. um, I I, I liked the way that that sort of worked. I I really, I I think that Alfred, because I sort of always wanted that to be more of the book. And I felt like, I felt like the, the show managed to capture how sort of not important he is and how important he is at the same time in, in very short scenes. To me, he's fine. <laughs> I don't really I don't really think that I have like an opinion about him. I think he's useful in the sense that he's useful in the same way everything else in the show is as a tool to explore the relationship between Fanny and Linda. Because part of the thing that's so fascinating about their friendship is how they each alternately like are, are envious of and like fear what the other has like like fanny really i like i like that 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 at least by the end of it we sort of do explore like the fact that fanny is tired of being like the person who has to live in the shadow of the bolter for her whole life who can't who who's afraid to take risks and afraid to do daring things and and i like that she does explore that somewhat because i think she and and linda are useful sort of yin yang opposites in that way like i think like Linda is in so in many ways like Linda wants to be educated the way that Fanny is she wants to have like a stable relationship the way that Fanny does she doesn't want it with Fanny's husband because Fanny's husband is boring but she wants like her husband version of that she wants the respectability she wants the stability but she just doesn't want the drudgery that she sort of associates with that kind of life I just think it's a really interesting like to me more than the romance stuff the interesting kind of ways that the show looks at like women's roles and women's relationships is really what like 
snagged me on it because it's really honest about how how just messy it is most of the time. Yeah, and I I do think that that's part of the reason why this is to me why th- why this hit me better than I think reading the book did. Um I also just really loved Emily Beecham as Fanny. Like I felt like Yeah, it's really hard to play the straight man. Yes, it really is. And people is. that do that like don't get enough credit for it. Like that's hard to do is to be the not the the non bright young thing one and still be interesting you know what I mean I mean I love Lily James don't get me wrong I I've seen virtually everything she's ever done and I think she's fantastic but we've seen Lily James do this before yes several times yes. like this it, I mean Mamma Mia this is this is what's her name from <laughs> Mamma Mia this is what's her name from War and Peace like she's done she's done this before she's really good at it she is and seriously like she's so like i didn't love the first mamma mia movie but mamma mia 2 somehow like sold me in ways that i wasn't expecting and it was all because of lily james (laughs) oh for me it was because of Cher, isn't it (laughs) (laughs) mamma mia 2 spoiler alert it includes Cher. (laughs) i mean she did make an entire abba cover album after she did that movie which is a great album by the way (laughs) Anyway, um, so yeah, like I, I, I have to say that I think also the performances in this also really, really make it in a way that like I, I'm not sure this could have worked if it didn't have like Lily James in the center that way. If it didn't have Scott as kind of Merlin sort of like on the edges the way it is and sort of like suddenly inserting himself and then suddenly leaving again and like sort of acting as the as as the um you know the deus ex maxim machina that she needs um whenever like you know her money runs out um i also really like i i also you know for for all that like i i expect people to come in and thinking that west is you know gonna be more of a romantic hero than he is i think his uncle matthew is hysterical um <laughs> i do too i do i have a lot of conflicting feelings about dominic west generally and on some level to me he will always be mcnulty from the wire but he's really great in this because i think this is the sort of character that would be really easy to just sort of tip over the line into kind of a very uh a, a larger than life kind of caricature figure and i think on on some level like he's he's very buffoonish and laughable but there's also this weird undercurrent that i don't really know how to des- describe it's it's a little bit like fear i think because there's a scene um and i don't remember what it is i think it's when lily co- when lily ha linda comes linda comes back and tells her father uh, maybe it's that she's getting divorced or something but he he um like he gets very physically threatening with her and she hides under the table and he's like flipping over furniture and there's just really this dark streak of like what the life in this house that you don't see is like oh it's very funny that he keeps his like nazi killing weapon above the fireplace and isn't that weird in a kooky old man kind of way but also you get the feeling that he's probably beat his kids with it so there's a real tension there that that i wasn't expecting yeah, and actually that's one of the things that that is one of the things I'd sort of forgotten from the book is how you're supposed to understand that this is actually quite a terrible household that Fanny is being sent to. Um and that the book of course never actually discusses it or anything, but you're sort of the 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 TV show really sort of captured that in a way I wasn't expecting it to. I was expecting it to be more buffoonish. And I really I liked that a lot. And I think that has a lot to do with how West portrays Uncle Matthew. Um, I also thought Dolly Wells was great as Sadie. Um, 
And, you know, I, 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 considering that each one only gets one episode, I did like all of her love affairs. Um, I, you know, uh, Freddie Fox's Tony is like the perfect sort of like, you know, the, the, the typical blonde, handsome, you know, he's supposed to be the hero. And of course he isn't. <laughs> Vaguely proto-fascist. Yeah. Um, I, I really loved James. I felt like James Freshfield didn't get enough to do as Christian. Um, I, I wanted more of that, I think. Um, I'm not, I'm not even sure why. Not really. He, he did not really even register for me. To me, he just seems sort of like the big kind of like hulking Hawkeye that <laughs> you just sort of like, like he doesn't talk a lot, but then you're like, well, he doesn't have to talk a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, like he doesn't really, re- he doesn't register for me so much as like that is... Like he represents Linda's, you know, she gets to leave the country. She go, she goes to like help in the war effort. She meets, she meets a black woman. Like, what would Uncle Matthew say? Like, you know, she, he, he is a doorway to her sort of worldview expanding. So I appreciate his character for that, even though I think as a person he is like largely forgettable. And then um, Assad Boab, um, who plays Fabrice, um, I, he, of course, he is my favorite of the three that she marries, because, of course, that's the one that she's supposed to sort of fall in love with. Though I did like at the end how they how they sort of pulled uh, Emily Mortimer in as the bolter to basically sort of say, you know, of course, of course, he was the love of her life. That's what you always think. Um, but the show also sort of made him much more like believably the love of her life. Like you could actually... Like, you don't actually believe she's going to stay with Tony for one minute after that wedding. Like, you know already that she's she is she's standing there in the wedding dress. You know, she's made the mistake. Right. And with Christian, you already know it's a mistake before she's even like put on that stupid little like black, the little beret. Um, but with 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 Fabrice, you you actually believe that this could actually be a real thing, that maybe this one won't be a mistake. Um, and of course, then it ends tragically. Spoiler alert. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, I didn't really have a lot of uh, like warm feelings towards Fabrice. Fabrice, I keep calling him Fabrice in my head, which is not his name, but it makes me giggle. Um, and I don't know, like, I feel like I didn't care about any of her relationships as relationships, but more as like signposts of like what they mean for Linda kind of embracing her own life. And I feel like that relationship is really about her finally deciding that she doesn't want to and doesn't have to accept the world the way that she's been told it has to be and I think um one of the really I think best parts of the show is that it it really tries to open up a space for women to choose to be like something else because in the world of this story you are either a sticker or you are a bolter and And this show to me says that there needs to be like more categories than just that, because if you're a sticker, you stay and you get to be socially respectable, but you're miserable and sad and and constantly yearning for things that you don't have or have never experienced. But if you're a bolter, you you don't have the respect of you're you're seen as a cautionary tale. People make you the butt of all the jokes, but you get freedom. So or relative freedom, I should caveat but like so what do, like what happens to people who are in the middle and shouldn't there be more choices for women than that i mean yeah but also i i i think I, the other reason that i don't that that story that the stories like this one always sort of bother me is that that's 
really quite a negative view of marriage. I mean, you you can you can totally like be a sticker and be totally happy. Like that's a thing. Like that uh, that does exist, and it doesn't make you like a drip, and it doesn't make you like. <laughs> Like, I, 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 you know, I, as somebody who is married twice, I would very much like to say that I like being married to my second one. Um, And like, I, I you can have and like, I know that that's also, you know, of course, I have it good. It's freaking 2021. But at the same time, I do actually think that even back then that, you know, you didn't have to be miserable just because you were a sticker. You could be perfectly happy. On some level, I think the bolter is pretty happy for all the fact that mm-hmm. no one will recall her by her name and she's like the butt of all the jokes and she brings home that Portuguese boyfriend who doesn't speak English and it's weird. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think I think also it's one of, it's one of those situations where I'm not sure how like I'm looking at it with like an eye as somebody who is married in 2021 and who got married when she was in her 40s. Which both of which, you know, the, is like, I literally would have been like locked in the attic <laughs> back then before I could ever get married. So, you, you know, I think it's another one of those. I think it's like an of its time kind of thing a little bit. But I think it's really, um, I think it's refreshing in a sense that the show just does doesn't like doesn't say you have to be a sticker or a bolter. It simply says you should have other options besides those two things, if that makes sense. No, I, I I agree. I just I think that the, I I think that my brain objects to the premise in the first place. That yes, we should have more than that, but you, there is more than that, and let's let's stop acting like there's only that. Is my is is kind of my reaction, and that was my reaction when I was a teenager, and it's I still I I, I still found myself vaguely objecting to it, even as I liked the show. Like my brain was like, no, 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 I object, I I, I reject this premise. This is this is no, it, it can't just life is not that simple. Things are not that black and white. Um. So yeah. Um. I. I one thing I am sort of curious about, as you noted, this is a limited, this is being billed as a limited series um, and being submitted for Emmy consideration that way. Um, it was a BBC series that basically Amazon sort of like bought up. It, it I think it, when did it pre- premiere on BBC? Um, it was earlier this year. It's a pretty recent transfer. Yeah. Um, and I honestly think that um, my, my question is, is it really a limited series or are they if this is if this makes enough, if this gets enough waves, if this gets enough attention at awards time, are we going to suddenly get love in a cold climate to follow? Um. I think it's very likely because I remember when I I like wrote an article with the trailer dropped like the whoever the showrunner is it's it Emily Mortimer it is and like, who plays the Bolter yeah we love the Bolter in this house um what was I gonna say yeah I saw them say something that like you know there were still two other books by Nancy Mitford and that mm-hmm. and that they could definitely see like continuing sort of like to to make you know, to like continue the universe of the show, I think for some spoiler reasons that I will try not to get into because I would like to encourage people to actually watch the entire thing. Uh, I, do, I think that 
that what's the second one? It's called Love in a Cold Climate, and it's a that is a great title, and B I think that um some of the like, I think there will have to be some new characters. Oh oh yes, basically uh, Fanny narrates the story of a completely different character, um whose name is Polly, and um I don't honestly I don't I don't remember it very well, and I didn't actually like look it up beforehand. Mostly I just remember that it that each of these is a little bit like it, it, it it's not. A, a trilogy in that way it's sort of a connected series in that way um so it's they're, they're all narrate all three are narrated by Fran- by fanny by the last one like i think she's in like her late 50s early 60s maybe she's a little younger and i just assumed she was older because you know um you know it, when you're a little kid you think that people are old um I I I most I th- I think the last one she goes to Paris, um or I think Fanny goes to Paris. Yeah, Fanny goes to. I, okay. I'm pretty sure in the last one, like she goes to Paris, and it's not quite in the same. It's sort of like her st- in a way, like the books. The first one is Linda's story. The second one is Polly's story, and then the last one is kind of her story. Um, but they're also not quite connected in that way. It's more of a, these are, this is a person I knew. This is another person I knew. Hey, here's mm-hmm. my life. Like, it's, it's sort of like an, it, like a, like a, a messier anthology. Yeah. Or... Yeah. That's actually a very, it's very, a, a story like this today, we would call it anthology series. I like anthology series for the most part. And, and I think that, you know, considering that most anthology series that we get for TV are horror or science fiction, I think doing a romance anthology series of this type, sort of, you know, British, you know, uh, uh, mid, mid-century mid romance stuff as an anthology series is a great idea. And we should we should do that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, even though, I mean, I know everybody's going to be like, this is called The Pursuit of Love. It's a romance. And I guess it is, but it's not necessarily in the traditional sense. I mean, I think it's a romance in the way that, like, you could kind of think of Linda and Fanny's friendship as as a romance. But it's not, like, I can't even remember. I can't, I can't even remember that much about, like, Linda's individual boyfriend. <laughs> well, that's the thing, is that, like, I, I feel like it is a romance, but it's not that it's a romance like, like, the, 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 the bodice ripper is like, like, Bridgerton. It's a romance in the old-fashioned sense in that it romanticizes Linda. And that it romanticizes her life, and it, and, and Fanny loves her. And and that that's it, it's much more that kind of romance than it is the, the individual romances themselves are not all that important, except other than the parade of vaguely hot guys, depending on your depending on what you define as hot. Um, I, 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 that's probably also why I like Febreze, because he we've <laughs> got me calling him Febreze Febreze because he is. Of, <laughs> Sorry, I just can't. I, I'm a monster. I can't help myself. <laughs> of the three, he is definitely the one who is the closest to my type, even though he his entire first date with her, he negs the hell out of her. And wow, that annoyed me. I, know, I just really think I think it's like I don't like the way he treats her. Yeah, well, like no. I don't. I, I, I don't know. But like, the, I think the idea is also that she's also treated people that way, and that they are two of they, they are two peas in a pod that way. That they, they, yeah, maybe it's just that I don't like the way he sort of comes up to her in that French train station because I'm like, oh, I'm sorry if you were a man and you did that to me, that would be like you I would punch them right in the mustache. Be, yeah, like what is the nineteen early nineteen hundreds version of like a rape whistle? I don't know. <laughs> 
pull out the pull out the uh, 1930s version of mace does anybody else get those instagram ads for like the birdie personal alarm where you just like are supposed to beep it if like someone sketchy is following you like that the bracelets would be, like, the... yes i get that i assume it's because i'm in my 40s and they assume i'm afraid like the ske- someone sketchy following you he feels like a someone sketchy following you guy like I'm, I, I, to me he just does not read romantic hero because he's kind of and i know that like you know he's meant to be very kind of like like a good figure his name even means like heroism or something like that i i read somewhere but i just he just feels shady to me or smarmy maybe both i don't know but he does give her a pet and i like people that like animals so there's a plus <laughs> you it, basically if they come up to you and they basically hand you a dog you're okay <laughs> I mean, they would have better odds if it was a cat, but like <laughs> like a kitten. But also, I'd be like, "Why do you have this kitten in a train station, you monster?" Um, I also want to give a shout out to uh, J- John Heverman who plays Davy. Um, I had forgotten about that character in the books completely, and so, so wait, I just have got to ask: Does he read as gay in the books? I know he, I know he marries Aunt Sadie, but like to me, he just seems like, oh, I guess he's Lord Merlin's like special friend or something. Like it's just no, really... it doesn't read that way in the books at all. Not quite like that. He's he's very much. It, it's much more the hypochondriac joke is much oh. more prevalent, and I think that disease all... is real. People get over it. I I, I also think that that is that that part of the reason why he comes off much more effeminate in the TV series than in the books is because they play down the hypochondriac angle so much because they don't because in, in a way that doesn't read in 2021 especially after a pandemic um, I mean I, I would actually say that I think it reads even more right now because I'm like <laughs> oh he's concerned about cleanliness and hygiene high five sir <laughs> Yeah, but it's supposed to be it's supposed to be like it's supposed to be a running joke that it's supposed to be kind of a mean thing. And I think that by them sort of like taking that out and by making it a little less like it ends up being more effeminate than anything else. But yeah, no, I actually really he he makes such an impression on on me in that character in a way that like I I didn't remember from the books. And I I really, really loved his performance. And I just wanted to I, I wanted to give a shout out to that, too. Um, I'm trying to think what else I wanted to talk about about this. I mean, isn't it weird that Lily James is the Downton person with like the career, the best career, the career, man. She's get it, girl. Her, her and Stevens, the ones yeah. who didn't, the yeah. ones who weren't there the whole time are the ones who escaped the. Yeah, because she pieced out on the movies and was like, I got stuff to do. I mean, I mean, she had a Cinderella movie to make and, uh, you know, he, he had a, a Beauty and the Beast movie to make. Like they went and got that Disney money. <laughs> Um, speaking of uh, speaking of Downton, the Downton Abbey factor here, I love the costumes, and I love mm, I, yes. I I love the hair. I love I love the hats. This is I love their little like best friend nook where it's like the linen closet where they just like have a room where they go in and like journal and tell each other their secrets. I'm like, man, I need money. Seriously, like, can I have a linen closet that big in my house? Damn. <laughs> I would that would just be that would be my favorite room. That's like an office size room practically. <laughs> I know. But um Linda does have some great outfits especially, I think. And and poor, that- I mean they poor poor Fanny they like stick her in some kind of frumpy like lumpy sweaters and stuff. Oh man, that- when they give her when they give her that bob, I I I was like that's so cruel. That's cruel. Oh, it's bad. 
It's. I just think that Bob. I don't think there's anybody that that Bob looks good on. Nope. I didn't even think it looked good on Michelle Dockery. She's the closest person to being able to pull off that kind of look. And even then, it was like, yeah, yeah, wince. Excuse me while I wince. Um, but yeah, I I have to say, like, honestly, uh, uh, the that Bob wig is the only one that actually like I was like, oh, wig. Um, everything else, like, it's so much of this is so well done and so expensive looking and it like you can tell that they sunk the money in it to the right way when you look at like like the sets and 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 everything i just love it like that part of the show like 1000 percent sold me and honestly if you're just a person who loves looking at like period costumes and period sets and like oh my gosh that house that whatever house that is that's the stand in for alchemy is gorgeous oh i should know too because i've I, I do you know how many freaking articles I've done of these are the English houses you should tour. Um, and I don't actually remember which one this one is. But yeah, like I I have to say, like there there this is eye candy and it goes with the surrealist modernist take of um uh, of a period piece that that also sort of fits in with the whole eye candy thing. So it, if all you want is like lovely eye candy, I absolutely one thousand percent please just sit down and watch this i just think it's fun I, I, there are so many shows on amazon that do not get enough play and do not get noticed enough because amazon itself sort of treats it as like sort of the movie room off the flea market that you all went to to get the uh also their search function is truly terrible yeah I, it, it's so frustrating because it they, does not surface anything no it really doesn't and it's I, you know, like, honestly, like, for, for, like, for two weeks, I got the Tomorrow War every time I freaking went to, like, go buy shampoo. And I'm like, seriously, why are you giving me that of all the things that you have on your service? Why are you giving me a thing that I would never, ever watch unless I had to for money? Um, like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I find that incredibly frustrating. Um, and it's one of the things about Amazon that I have always frustrated by is when there were great shows on it. And there are a lot of great British shows on it like they have an entire what I would call masterpiece light section of shows that like Vanity Fair is another one. Oh, that one was good actually that's what Annie texted me while she was watching this because I watched it before she did and she actually referred to it as masterpiece light yeah because I was I was thinking of like all I was thinking of sort of this vein of shows like all those like the Christie's that they have um the um what was the one I did with the with the with the um the fashion designer that they did that it actually ended up coming to PBS oh, later. Oh, um, the collection. The collection. I know this because M- Michelle Gomez was in it for like 30 seconds. So, yeah. you know, I know where she is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like there are just uh, there are so many like really great like British productions that are hidden in the Amazon universe and you like don't even know they're there. And I just I I, I, I want one of the reasons why I wanted to do a podcast on this show. Like I know you wanted to do it because you love this this kind of this kind I know, of No, finally story. one for me. But a like, show for me. But I was just like, <laughs> we get to highlight something on Amazon and tell people to watch it. Yes, please give me more of this because mm-hmm. I. It frustrates me so much that the, that shows like this are basically sitting there for the taking for you all to love. I know, and you and have an, nine times out of ten people have an Amazon Prime membership. We all use it for Christmas shopping, mm-hmm. especially in the pandemic. I mean, seriously, that's, that is the truth. I mean, seriously, that man freaking went into space and is still the richest man on earth. Okay, that's how he didn't many of really us really go into space. <laughs> He tried to go into space. Sorry, I have a lot of feelings about the rich people space race that are not appropriate for the show. 
Um, I'm just yes, saying, was... like, that's how many of us have a Prime membership, people. <laughs> to Annie's point, the Vanity Fair that's on Amazon is really great. Maybe we should put that on the list of, like, things we'll talk about when we don't have anything to talk about. Because that was a really good... Um, mm-hmm. Olivia Cook, she's yes. so good. She's one of the ones that's going to be in House of the Dragon, by the way. It's one of the reasons I'm actually excited about that show. Isla St. Hightower, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I think I so. I think she's a Hightower. <laughs> but um, back to Pursuit of Love. I was just really excited after like months and months of mysteries that I finally <laughs> got a period drama to talk about and watch. So, I mean, maybe I was like, you know, maybe sort of my the the pump of my brain was really primed to like this, but I really liked it. It's three hours it's like a perfect little afternoon snack yeah it's only three episodes each one isn't more than an hour you know it's nice i i you know one of the things about british television being short like that is that it really can just be an afternoon binge or you know if you want you can make it last three weeks i mean i don't yeah i didn't do that i watched it all in like a day i think or i maybe did two episodes and then one episode it's two days max uh, anyway, um, so yeah, um, other than hoping that like they actually do sort of turn this into an anthology series, any other thoughts? Um, I really would. I really, I hope they do. Mostly just because I feel like that. Uh, I know most period dramas these days are people adapting things for the screen, but at least this is something I had not heard of or seen before. So rather than yet another, you know, Jane Austen, which there are so many of those coming in the next few months. <laughs> Uh, this at least felt very fresh to me in a lot of ways, not just because of its subject matter, but because it really tried to do something different in the space. And I I know it's basically just like copying the favorite, but I like it when period dramas try to do new things. All right. Is that is that our episode for the week? I think so. We will make up for being super long last week by being a little early this week look at that balances out cosmically Annie tell the people where you live on the internet uh, let's see you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter you can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook um, I am oh you can actually find pictures of my cats at Annie Bundle on Instagram um, they are very fuzzy um, and then yeah I'm a staff runner at Elite Daily I'm an associate editor here at televisions.org and I also write around the web so um, if you want my thoughts on the Suicide Squad. Um, that's my big freelance piece this past weekend. Um, just basically follow me on Twitter because I retweet all my balance there, and that's where you can find my stuff. So be my friend on Twitter. Thanks. Huzzah. I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L A C Y M B. And like Annie, I write a lot here at Televisions and other places around the entertainment web, but I always tweet my bylines. So come and check that out, see what I am liking or not liking this week if you just want the cat pictures baker and hammer who just turned one and are now grown-up cats and i don't know what to do are on insta at baker and hammer and they're still cute even though they're grown up now they're very Uh, fuzzy they're very fuzzy um if you just want the british stuff the site and the pod are on social media at televisions blog all one word on facebook and telly underscore visions on twitter We are a product of WETA, and if you like what we do, visit us at televisions.org and click on the donate button up top to help us keep doing it. You'll support public media at the same time and get access to PBS Passport, which contains a ton of period dramas and other fun things for you to watch. Um, Is that the end of my spiel? I think it's the end of my spiel. So, as always, uh, the news is getting scary every day scarier and scarier every day so uh i am not subscribing to delta plus 
Uh, no, dislike. Um, do not want to fly those friendly skies. So please, uh, I feel so bad for the for the PR managers for Delta. It's gotta oh be like God. the worst time for them. <laughs> but uh, take care of yourselves. Please get vaccinated if you haven't yet done so. Please talk to anyone in your life who you, who is has maybe not had time to make an appointment or figured out a way to get to an appointment. Help them out. It helps all of us out. Mask up if you're going to be around a lot of people. This thing is apparently very contagious. Then I. I'm tired of seeing the news being like, we're going backward. Let's go forward again. Forward for always twirling towards freedom, as they say on The <laughs> Simpsons. Um, anyway, take care of yourselves. We're all we got. And we will be back next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>